to the show, everyone. Episode 32. Um, so I think just before we kick on this week, I think um, we just need to spare our thoughts for, for what happened last night. Um, Josh? Yeah, um, our thoughts and prayers about the people that lost their lives. Um, last night we filmed this, we've recorded and filmed this on a Sunday morning. Um, and it happened on last night on Saturday. And the attacks um, in London Bridge and Borough Market where people have been stabbed and um, they terrorists drove their cars into them. Our thoughts go out to them. Our thoughts also go out to people in Manchester who are still recovering from the horrific um, bombing attack at the MEN. Um, yeah. Do you know what's terrible is that that's the second time we're saying this in three weeks. It's, it's two weeks, isn't it? Last week we walked yeah. up saying the same thing. Two weeks. It's mad. It's mad. Um, yeah, so I thought about to those people. Um, yeah, we're getting to the show. Episode 32. Um, like you said, how are we, how are we doing? I'm, I'm fine. Good. Um, it's been a good week. Um, the sun's out. Summertime makes sure everyone feel good. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and you have a new arrival to the like as a family. <laughs> yes, <laughs> indeed. <coughs> yeah, I'm a dad again. 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 Yeah. My wife had our son on sun- Sunday, like literally a week. Yeah. A week to the- well, he's not quite a week. It was, it was crazy. Sunday night, but yeah. Because you called, he called me on a Sunday. He was like, oh, do you want this um, ticket oh, yeah. to go here?" Um, and I was like, "And I thought you meant to go somewhere with you." Yeah. Um, and then when you were like, "Yeah, she's um, Danielle's just gone into contractions," so I was like, "Oh wow, wow!" <laughs> like, <laughs> and then it seemed to be super quick because yeah. like it must have, it must have gone relatively well because then you sent us a message what yeah. about midnight, and I was like, "Wow, that was well." She. I was meant to go We Are Festival on Sunday, all looking forward to it for ages. And then, yeah, she started having contractions in the morning. They started getting um, more and more, like, harder and closer and closer together as the day went on. And then, yeah, we took a few trips to the hospital and then he, he came at the 10.37 um, Sunday night last week. So, yeah, this has been a, a really good week for me. Um, he's my second born. I have a boy and a girl now, and yeah, man, I'm just ecstatic. And then, like I was just saying to you guys before we even recorded, it's just, whereas when I had Sophia, it was, oh, everything is about Sophia, and the world kind of stopped still for a little yeah. while. <coughs> I've just had to continue with life. You know, I'm off, I'm off work for two weeks, but, you know, Sophia's had dance show Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I've been doing a lot of running around for that. Daniela's been in a lot of pain as well, so she couldn't really be... A, she weren't really active in the first few days so I had to do a lot of stuff around the house you know picking up stuff so it's been really really busy this week and I did struggle to get here on time this morning I've got a bit I, I didn't think I didn't as I said to you earlier like just feels like I'm like you just had a baby I'm not expecting I wasn't even expect. I wouldn't have had any issue if you'd said no nah, I can't make it this week yeah, yeah. but it just seems like you were just like yep had a new baby Switch straight to zone, but I guess you don't have any. Have any you don't have a choice, right? Don't have a choice, man. As I said, life's gone. Yeah. Also, your second one, so you probably have more experience. And yeah. You're already doing far more. Well, you say that, um, but I don't know what other parents think. But for me, Sophia's six now, so this happened six years ago, and it's a long time, and you do forget. I don't quite remember how Sophia was at that age anymore so it, it's sort of like a new experience again if oh. that makes it it's, it's hard to because i had a friend come around yesterday and her her daughter's going on three yeah and i asked and she was holding um my son's called lorenzo so she was holding lorenzo and i said oh how does it feel do you remember it and she was and she said the same thing she says 
the time goes so quick you don't really remember. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a weird sort of feeling, but no, man, we're, the Semper household is good, we're happy. <laughs> um, and now, yeah, it just sort of refocuses me. I've made some big decisions behind the scenes that I've spoken to my wife about, which I'll share with you guys as well, not on the podcast though, but I will share. Um, but yeah, it just sort of refocuses you and, and it just changes your mindset a, a quite. And it happened to me when Sophia was born. And it's sort of happening to me again. It just makes you just think about life in a different way. Um, so yeah, man, it's good. It's been a good week. Good stuff. And Ben, how's your week been? I said I have a big smile on my face because um, you spent this week in um, Romania. In Bucharest. In Bucharest. Yeah, so I was... And he had um, a nice experience in the hotel. Apparently, there was some um, porn awards. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a four star in his hotel room. No, it's not. 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 No, do you know what it's called? So everybody asked, because it was weird for me when everybody was talking about their bank holiday last week. I was like, oh, this is weird. I forgot it was a bank holiday because I was flying there at like eight o'clock in the morning on Monday. So everyone's like, yeah, what are you doing for a long weekend? I'm like, long week? Oh, yeah, it's a long weekend, isn't it? So what, well, headed out there. I mean, I can't blame it. It's a really nice place mm-hmm. over there. I mean, I landed and it was like 31 degrees and sunny. And then on the way to yeah, like super hot because they just touched summer, but it was like, so I, I left here, it was like torrential downpour on mm. Sunday night or something. Mm. I land there in the sun, um, and then the driver was taking us to the hotel, because I walked out of the um, departures there, and there was a camera there, and this woman in a red dress, and I'm like, and the guy with our, our sign was standing next to her, I was like, well, as much as I'd like to think it is, I know that camera ain't there for me. <laughs> so then we got in uh, the car and the driver taking these, he's like, oh, where you stand? So we said the hotel and he's like, oh, you picked a good week for it. There's a porn summer at your hotel. I'm like, what? <laughs> so we get there on a Monday and I'm not really seeing any evidence or something. Were they remaining porn stars? Well, I think they, I don't, I, well, I don't know. <laughs> um, but what was, the re- the day that I realised they'd touched down is there was a guy that was outside, there was these, these two Asian guys, and they saw these two women and they went over, one of them went over and had a picture taken of them both. Yeah. So I was like, they must be porn stars. Because <laughs> he's gone over and asked for a photo of them. Well, they're but, nice. There's, uh, I'll be honest. I'll, I'll be honest. After coming back from there, I was I was talking to the driver on the way back. He's like, I've lived loads of places in the world, and there's no place like home when it comes to to women. Yeah. Like talking about men. Um, to be honest, if my love life can't sort itself out, which doesn't seem to be happening anytime near, I might just move to Bucharest yeah. and settle down there. Like I could, I was I was just I I could have stayed there. Was I could have stayed there quite happily. But the driver, the driver was weird as well. So he's a driver. They've got this this company that's set up, like him and another guy that do it. But sent me all these places that he's lived, all these things that he's done. He's like, yeah, there was one. I lived in New York at one point. There was one night where I woke, went out and I woke up in Alaska the next morning. What? He's like, he was like, it was funny at the time. It's not so funny now. I was like, I think I would have had it the other way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't have been funny at the time. It's funny to look back on. So I wonder actually what happens. New York and Alaska. Yeah. I would have panicked. I exactly. I wouldn't have found it funny at the time, as as he said. But no, so it was a, it was a good week over there. Um, it was good to to catch up with because the thing is, 
the job that I do, all of my team, I actually have nobody here in the UK. So all of the people I manage, which has this challenge of remote management for people, um, through my review, so all of my team had to go and speak to, to my boss about any of the concerns. The actual only negative feedback was, he's got so much stuff on, I don't know how he manages it all. Um, which is not necessary, it's not a bad thing, because normally my boss was like, when you've got remote managers, most of the guys you speak to will be like, I do all of this work and he doesn't understand how much work I do. So I was like, look, it's clearly I'm doing something right. The only thing I'm doing is doing too much. Um, I probably need to work on <laughs> that rebalance. But no, it was uh, so, so it was good to spend some time over there. We went out to a couple of Romanian restaurants. They introduced me to some drink that they said is like a vodka, smelt like a whiskey and hit you like it was an absinthe. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so it was, a, yeah, it was, it, I, I would say if you ever go over, I think it's called Palinka or something, maybe have one because it's a Romanian like traditional mm. drink. Yeah, yeah. Probably don't go back for it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> them, them guys have drinks, you know. Yeah, they can They drink. have some serious Well, the thing drinks. is, that the problem is, is all they eat, eat over there, right, is fatty meats and breads and cheese. Serious. Do you know how diabolical that has been yeah. for my diet? So... <laughs> like there's a gym there that they had downstairs, but there was no way I could run off as much as I was being yeah, consuming. So yeah, it was just yeah, like yeah. now I'm back, refixed into the, to diet mode. I need to recover from from what's being consumed while I've been over there. But no, like I say, it was um it, it was good to head over there. Um, and I think that kind of segues quite well into one of the topics we want to discuss this week. So one of the things that we actually speak about at work, yeah, and I think is something that that has value is is the concept of cultural diversity. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes I think people use that as a buzzword, mm -hmm. um, but I also think it's something that's worth speaking on for the audience to understand why it would be good to put yourself in that position where you are in a, cult a culturally diverse environment, or if you're in it and you're not making the, the best use of it and taking advantage of it, to step out and look to take advantage. So what I mean by that is, in, in the environment that I work in, it's always been I mean, we work in, in the office that I work in, you've got anywhere from Russians to Brazilians to Eastern Europeans to Malaysians to South Americans, everything, the whole show, right? And I've been working in that for kind of 12 years now. And obviously my team, I've got a mix of um, people based in Rio, I've got a mix of people based in Malaysia, I've got the guys in Romania, which all have their, their varying differences. So mm. in, um, I always refer to it as, in the Americas, for example, people will lose their head very quickly. They're very emotive about the way they handle stuff. So they'll lose their heads very quickly if something goes wrong. But if you do something right, they're your biggest fan. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So, so as a, as a, and there's a way of dealing with them and, and you speak to them to take that into consideration. When you're speaking to guys over in, in Malaysia, then it's a bit different. Some of the time you have to tease out some answers in them because they're, they're a bit, they go about themselves. They're not as forward as the Western world. And I think that's generally like an, an Eastern thing. And it's, it's kind of accepted as being a, a kind of Eastern way of, of acting. And then you've got kind of people that I've seen from like the Russias and the, the Eastern European areas who are very direct mm. and can be very blunt in what they say. Right. But because they can be very blunt, what you have to understand is sometimes they're not being rude to you. It's just the way that they speak. Um, whereas if they spoke like that and you spoke like that to me over here, again, one, knowing you and two, knowing the, the, the culture that we're from, I would take it as being rude. But I don't take it as being rude from, from them. Um, so what I've been able to pull from that is it makes, 
I think it helps increase your, your empathy, one, for understanding different people and how different cultures act and engage with each other. And two, I think it helps your, I mean, for me, it's helped my leadership approach because it's given me a balance. So for instance, I need to learn how to deal with people who want you to be more about their feelings versus some people I can let be and go run autonomously and they'll be annoyed if I start asking and trying to, to get too involved in their space. And also in your communication skills because you go from just speaking to one set culture. So if all the people you deal with are UK based, regardless if they've got different religious backgrounds, if they all have a, a pretty much live in a, a British way of culturally working, then you only ever get accustomed to communicating with, with those kind of people. Um, I've been fortunate enough that I've worked in that kind of environment. But I think in general, I don't know what your feelings are, I think that we live in a place in London, for example, where there are great opportunities to embrace cultural diversity and go and engage with people from different cultures. And I'm not sure that people always necessarily exploit that and take advantage of it. I've got to admit, if I'm thinking of me, how often do I on a weekend say, I'm going to go to like a an area where there's a lot of Spanish people who come over and are with their own kind of other people over from Spain where they can embrace their own culture. And same with Italians. I, I mean, actually, it's a good question because obviously they is Italian, so I don't know how much you get to it. So that's probably... I, I grew up in North London um, and I went to a school called Broomfield School, which is in uh, the borough of Enfield, and that was very diverse mm -hmm. in, in its culture. But situated in an area where there's a lot of Greeks, a lot of Turks, um, and Asians as well. Now, so growing up, I probably have been around Greeks, Turks, Asians, and whites and blacks. And that's been it, <laughs> to be honest, growing up. And then obviously I met Daniela, and she's half Italian. So I have been exploited to that wider range. Mm -hmm. And, and um, her sister is a very good friend with somebody who's from Italy, but their background is um, from the Dominican. So it's a little bit different as well. They, they have a different way and they do things. So yeah, I've, been, I've seen how that works, but on my normal day to day, it, it's, I, I wouldn't say that I'm, I see that, do you know what I mean? And I think depending on what area you're from, mm -hmm. you tend to grow up with certain people and, and even your jobs in those areas. I don't, I don't think, depending on whether you're maybe in the city or doing the jobs that you got to do, they are, I don't think jobs are, are really diverse in this culture. I think you just get a mixture of the same Asians, blacks, whites. Yeah. And, and but it's, cause it's harder than that. It's harder than um, you think it is. Because I went to university. I went to Manchester on purpose because I thought I wanted to have a, a, a wider mix of friends. Yeah. And what I found out most of my friends were black and they were from London. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was really funny. I went up north to make friends and most of my friends were from, from London. They're from South London, but they're from London anyway. It's because you gravitate towards you people. You gravitate, that, yeah. Gravitate yeah. towards people that look like you, act like you, share the same culture, yeah, yeah. similarities to you. So it's hard. But then I also forced myself to get out of that as well because I wanted to make friends with people that um, I wanted to get experience out of being in Manchester. So I, when I was working um, in Selfridges in uh, in Trash Centre, I made it. I made it so I'd speak to people from Sheffield, people from Le Leeds. Right. Actually, speak to them, I understand where they're from and the way they talk and different dialects and stuff. It's just like you talk to someone from Sheffield, they literally use that words when they talk. It's just hilarious when they go, "I go on road." It's just like yeah, yeah. They start complete words. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's and you've it's just getting out of your own comfort zone. It's it's having that ability to do that. It's I was, I, I always say. An example of um, gay people that in London, um, 
when you're a kid, you use the word gay as a, as a negative, um, it has negative connotations. It's not saying that oh, it's just saying that's gay, that's soft, that's being left down the man. Yeah, yeah. But then when yeah. you go up, when I went up north, it was the first time I've, I've been openly exposed to gay people. And what you find is that they're not much different to us. Yeah, it's yeah. that that you're because you're in your own silo and you're you don't you haven't experienced it. You might think certain things about them. Luckily that I was I grew up in North London. I grew up in um, in Tottenham originally. I went to a school which wasn't um, a religious school, and I grew up with Muslims, Somalis, Blacks, Asians, Pakistanis, um, Chinese. I grew up with that, and I went to a Roman Catholic school which was mostly South American, Italians, Blacks, and whites, Irish, and you. I had, a, I had a mixture of those five people. The only people I hadn't had a, an influence when I was young was, I had an exposure to when I was young, was gay people. Mm. Um, I think what people have to do is, is actively try and go out of their comfort zone, actively yeah. try and engage people that aren't, aren't similar to you. Because it also gives you different perceptions, perceptions, perceptions of, of people and you, you get like different ideas and you actually get smarter. Because you, you're, um, you're, like you're saying, you've gained experience by dealing with different people, which I wouldn't have. So you naturally have that advantage over me now. Yeah. If I go to Romania, you know, they do Romanians better than I do. If I went to Russia, Russians talk mathematically. They, they literally tell you what they think. They don't do what we do in the UK. In the UK, we're politely, if, we, if someone's offended us, we, we're polite about it, we go about it in a roundabout way. Russians tell you, you're an idiot, you stink, you've got beer. They won't, like in the UK, we'll be like, you think you might use some deodorant? Mm. Yeah, they'll come up and tell you. Mm. Now, if you're not used to that, you might think they're being rude. They're not. Yeah. They're just being. It's just how the culture is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And once you expose yourself to that culture, different cultures, you get understanding of how people are. And you get better interactions with them. Yeah. Do you, so I know your question was more about the work work environment. Um, what's your work environment? Like? My work environment. What I find in the city, they don't really care about. It's, um, colour is more about skills. Yeah, if, you're, if you can do the if job. If you can do the job. So yeah. you find people in the, in the city, you always find different races. You have Chinese, Blacks, Asians, um, different ranges of depending on, on um, the, the area you're working. So if you're working like in finance, you don't have a mixture of people. If you work in sales, you have a mixture of people. Mm. Just, um, so that's what I've seen is that in the workplace, yeah. and I, will, <laughs> I still work in, in North London, so that's why I think my my job is just is the norm, whereas you guys are working in different areas, probably different jobs as well, more important jobs, <laughs> um, and you've got a more diverse culture in, in your workplace. When you go out, you obviously is, is, you're out with the work people and it's, and it's different, but are you close with any of those people that, that you've met that are, are different, or different cultures, i.e. do you now class them as friends? Would you talk to them? You always find common common similarities, even if they have different cultures. You always find something similar that someone might like. Like I find um, the gym is something a lot of people in different cultures they will share that they like to be fit, or I like people like football. I can find common culture in that, or in the ways you work. <coughs> like um, I find that um, like Dutch people, I work for a Dutch bank. They they literally will tell you, matter of factly, what you think about you. If you're if you're dumb, they'll if you do something once wrong um, don't, and something wrong once and then do it again, they'll mathematically tell you how it to your face. Mm. Not being rude, this this is what it is. Yeah. Well in the UK, someone will be they won't they'll find a way of going around the subject to then yeah. tell you and find a roundabout way of telling you. So, um, you have to adapt when you work in that environment, so you don't take things you don't get offended by them. You don't think oh he's being rude because he's telling me. It's because a lot of their emails, the Dutch emails, they're really short. They like if you read them, you're like, 
Dan, he's what have I done to him? Mm. And he's and he's and when you ring when you speak to him on the phone, he's just happy, he's punk, but because he's, yeah. but the way they interact with you, yeah. it's totally different. You have to adapt and I've learned to adapt working there. I, I think more so for me personally in response to your question about would they be friends again I've been relatively <clears throat> fortunate in the environment I work in because I don't necessarily deal with South Americans working in the UK I do but I also deal with South Americans in South America mm. so that when I'm speaking to them they're in their natural environment acting in their natural way as oh, opposed yeah. to coming over here and they've started to adopt a bit more of our culture yeah. and lose a bit less yeah. of theirs yeah. and they only do that weekends when they're with family yeah. and stuff. Um, again, I've spent time over in Malaysia. I've worked with Malaysians for a long time, but I've spent time over there working with them as well. Now, it just stands to reason for me, one, the team that I've got, I create a relationship where I don't really want to be considered as their boss, uh, yeah. so to speak. Oh, okay. um, well, no, so we can have a conversation. That's, so, for instance, whenever we go over there, we'll spend time when we go out outside of work yeah. and it's a simple thing so and, and it, it, it's an unexpected thing what didn't intend to, to cover on this this topic actually but in the in the interest of as we discussed before the podcast making sure that we can really extract out the practical advice that people can use from this yeah i would say that what's really helped is having team building events in those kind of areas because you can know so much about somebody around an office. Mm. I'm not saying go out and get drunk all the time, right? Yeah. But you'll be surprised how much you can learn with somebody after a couple of glasses of wine and yeah. they're outside a work environment and they start telling you about all of this stuff about themselves that you would never speak about over, even if it's just over a coffee. Take yourself out of the work environment and you start to learn more about the person. Now, again, as you do spend more time with them, again, this is more seeking to spend time in their natural environment yeah um then that's when you start to learn the different ways that they work because you can't unless you're continually dealing with something so you use dutch but unless you're dealing with eastern european it can be difficult until you see them around other eastern europeans and you realize oh hold on this is just how they act and again if you're, you're dealing with guys up from over in the americas it can be difficult to not get the way they act unless you see them in context of acting with, with other people. So, yeah. for instance, I've spent time, went on holiday in Rio before, so you see how people from, from those act. Whereas, so I think what we can do, because it is difficult in the work environment, again, you are half bound by the fact of you need to know where um, people are from and actually being in your environment mm. versus when you're out and about, obviously you can go. So I think for, for me, we... I think we take for granted sometimes the opportunities we have in London. Like, there is no reason why. And again, as I've said, I'm fortunate enough to get it from my work, but outside of work, I don't really spend time with that. So I think things that you can do is go and look to, if you know somebody from a different background, <clears throat> don't intrude on their time, <laughs> but see if you can go and spend time with them. So if they say, oh yeah, I'm going to see, I'm going to a Spanish festival or something, let's see you spend, for example. Mm. And they say, oh yeah, I'm going to be with all my, my, my friends from back home. Ask if you can just go along with them or, and again, don't intrude on their time. Don't, if, they, if you're not good, if you're not friends with them, then don't ask them to go and spend time with them. But I think there are opportunities to go and do that just to, again, expand your horizons in the way you deal with Because for me, what you can actually take from it is it's not, Cultural diversity is a concept that people like to, to just, like I say, put there as a buzzword. But I think for me, from a development perspective, it offers you so much in developing yourself as a wider, whole person, as well as concepts that you can use 
in any business or endeavor that you want to go about in. So for instance, if you understand how to speak to different people, you understand how to mold a sales pitch to yeah. a person from yeah, a different yeah. place of the world. So for instance, if you're doing a mortgage, selling a mortgage to uh, somebody from Romania, yeah. you might be more matter of fact after yeah. you spent more time with yeah. someone from Romania, right? Um, and again, if you're selling a product, you may be more direct in your advertising. So let's say you use A, B types of sales. What you post in Eastern Europe might be a different type of ad to what you post in, in somewhere in Malaysia. And again, once you start to learn with different people, say as you move up and, and again, as we start to go out and engage different people as part of Lavesa, it will help one, your communication skills. Again, for me, as part of progressing in my career, I don't think I would have, I like to think I've got quite good leadership capabilities, but I don't think I would have had them if I'd only been ring-fenced and just always been based in, in looking after UK employees. Because all I would have ever known is how to deal with people from the UK. And it would have been a complete curveball when I needed to start having more empathy for different different kind of cultures. I've, I've, um, I've had to deal with different cultures more from customers rather than um, in like work colleagues yeah. and definitely I've, I've learned to adapt you know the way the Germans do business the way the, the Chinese and do business Wurschbund Technik is what I deal with Germans they are just efficient, efficient. <laughs> yeah because I'm, I'm just thinking back to one of my German clients now and that's what it was it was I want his business on being showing him efficiency yeah. showing him I could get the job done he is a a millionaire, he, he bought a million pound property in Highgate, I'd done his mortgage, he could have gone to loads of different people, he chose me because I showed him the efficiency. Yeah. So it's funny that you meant that because that was, that was exactly what I think won me the business. With the Chinese, what I found is they're very much to the pounds and pence and it's all about the figures yeah. rather than service that you can offer them and things like that. Yeah. They're going to go with wherever they can get the best the best deal. Yeah. Not everybody acts like that. So it, Exactly what you're saying, the practical advice from that is be that you do need to, I think it's better that you do exploit yourself to a different, you know, wide range of diversity because, I mean, wide range of different cultures because that does help you grow as a person to understand how to cater to different people's needs and different people's wants, definitely. Yeah. I, I think the takeaway from this is um, from this, 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 I'm sorry, um, Go out there and speak to different people, and try and try and go out there and um, you, if you live in London, if you don't live in London, you live in Manchester or Birmingham, you still live in great cities where even even in Edinburgh and Glasgow, you still live in great cities where you can meet different people. So go out there and try to like integrate, try to um, integrate and meet new people. Don't be afraid to um, ask people. Um, like ask people to tell you take you to one of their, like take you to, to, to a Turkish um, tea coffee shop or tea shop and have Turkish tea and, and just be in, be in the environment, don't be afraid to go to an Indian person and say, can you take me to, uh, take me to your culture? It's, you know, another it's, thing as well, sorry, you could. No, go on. What I was going to say is, when we do have that um, opportunity as well, a lot of us go on holiday, we go abroad, yes. in Europe and outside, and what I think a lot of people tend to do is stay on the resort. Yeah. yeah. And, and, they don't, and they don't do anything else. I think it's important that you go out there and see the culture yeah. Yeah. And, and take it in. And that's what I like to do when I go abroad. A lot more now than I did when I was younger, I'll be honest, I was all about just going and staying on the resort. But now I like going out there and seeing the culture and, and seeing how they, how they interact, how they work. I think that's 
that's what makes a holiday for me. And one thing I will, I like, well, I try to not live life with regrets. One thing that I do regret is that I didn't travel more. And that's one thing that I want to do going forward when I'm in a position is travel a lot yeah. more to see a lot more cultures. <coughs> and that's, if you don't have the diversity in your workplace or around you in your area, when it. you go on holiday or go and seek it, go to different places. And, and, and I think holiday is good because we're talking about from being in London, but you don't get all those opportunities. There. And, and we do, we are very much in, depending on where you're watching this, I think people, different people are, are different. That Some of them will go and want to, they just go on holiday and they like the sun, but they don't, again, they don't explore the area. Yeah. One thing for me is whenever I've gone somewhere, so for instance, when we were in Bucharest, we went out a couple of nights for dinner, they took us to traditional Romanian places. They could have gone and found just a random state place. Yeah. But then I wouldn't have learned much about their culture. One of them was like in like a two hundred and fifty year old building that they took us to, or in a heritage. I wouldn't have had their Romanian drink, which, to be fair, may have not been the worst thing. But nonetheless, it's it's all embracing their culture. It's the same thing we go to KL. They could take me to English restaurants over there, mm. but they don't. They take me to Malaysian based restaurants. Yeah. So so completely get that. So I would say yeah. That even because I know you said before when you you see like people on the tube, don't be afraid to speak to them. I think specific takeaway for this is that maybe to do it. Over the next week is a bit much, but somewhere over the next month, try and find free opportunities to stick yourself in a situation where you are outside of your comfort zone, cultural wise. And actually, and I'm not saying go to a Turkish restaurant, that's not that. Go to like a Turkish, let's say you go to a shisha bar mm -hmm. in, a, in a Turkish area, which is literally full of Turkish people acting in their own yeah, yeah. work and work in the way that we were acting. Or if you've got a Spanish friend, you'll find that they'll have places where they go and have, um, for instance, there'll be some tapas bars or pubs, which is very much Spanish and they all feel at home acting there. I think we all have the opportunity. So I think if you can find three chances to do that this month, You'll be surprised at how much I think that helps you. And again, for me, this isn't just a, a buzzword of, yeah, let's make society more diverse. I really think that there are opportunities to advance your own personal development. And again, it could be in business and professions, but again, it's in life. When you're doing it on a holiday, you're talking about the, getting the benefits of travel. It's getting the most out of your travel when you embrace the different. Otherwise, we could just go and be British everywhere in the world and just go there the sun, right? So um so yeah, I think that would be the takeaway tip from this. And I think it also kind of again is a nice segue into one of the things that I was reading up on this week, which is around so we've talked about the concept of emotional intelligence before. Now I'm reading a book on it at the moment which is I mean one it's a bit trippy that goes into some of the sciences of it and how it works. But it also touches a bit more on uh, emotional awareness and actually it, it's actually doing quite a good job of going into the self-awareness state of it because before when we've spoke about it and when you see some other people talk about it, yeah you need to be self-aware but nobody really deals with the science of how you become mm -hmm. self-aware um, so one of the things that they were talking about is uh, like your ability to understand when you're in a bad mood and to get yourself out of it and some people can and some people never see that they're in a bad mood. And some people realise they're in a bad mood. When I say, oh, you seem like you're in a bad mood, yeah. then they realise, oh, that's the truth. They realise they're in a bad mood and they know their way out. So everybody seems to have different degrees of awareness to their emotions. And depending on how much leverage you give to your emotions, it can hamper you or make you better at decision-making. So one of the tests they use in there, so for instance, they have this, uh, it's like a... Um, very much paraphrasing here, but it's, a, it's an airplane test that they have and they basically say, imagine that you're in a, um, it's not a psychology test, I think, 
imagine you're on an airplane and you go into super high turbulence and the plane's gone all over the place, up and down, left and right. Would you be, what would, how would you be inclined to act? Would you be inclined, so for instance, I'm reading when I'm on a plane, right? Would I be inclined to carry on reading and just distract myself from the situation? Or would I be somebody who starts to pay attention to the nuances of how, everything around me? So how are the stewardesses acting? Have they harnessed themselves in for grace or are they still walking up and down? Therefore you're thinking, oh, oh, it's not too much of a problem. Whereas if they're all strapped up, you're thinking, well, if they're worried, then I should probably be worried. Um, so it was interesting because it kind of says more about one, your, your emotional awareness state and how that manifests itself in your perceptiveness. So I don't know, what, what, how do you think? I think I would be looking at the stewardess to see how they're acting, if I'm honest. I'll be looking, because I know I wouldn't be able to continue reading a book with all of that going on because I, I don't know, I think my mind would be thinking that we're in turbulence, there could be danger here. I want, I want to know firsthand or early on as possible what I need to be doing. So I don't want to be distracted when I need to do something. Yeah, but I think you're asking, you're asking, answering that question in hindsight because depending on on how your emotion feels on that day or yeah. depending on who you're with on the flight, yeah, can affect your perception of what's actually going on. Because if you're in a deep conversation, imagine if you and Ben on a, on a flight together and you're in a deep conversation and, you're, and it's getting a bit heated, you're not really paying attention to what's going on. You might cut off a copy of your um, your eye, what's going on, and then and 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 then um, carry on having the discussion. So let's so let's say this is because it's a very it's a very good point, and it, yeah. it's a difficult thing yeah. to answer yeah. when you realize what's about. So let's assume that you're you're just you're on the plane by yourself, doing whatever you do. You're reading a book or you're listening. So to what? Me. How bad is this turbulence? Really, though? it's bad turbulence. So it's not minor turbulence. It's bad. bad. Because, but then again, you, you, you could be right then, because I've never been on a flight. And this with, is why it's difficult to yeah, answer. Yeah, I've right? never been on a flight with uh, really bad turbulence, so I, I don't know. You can tell your story and uh, I'll tell because I've got a good I, example of this. Uh, I was on a plane with very bad turbulence. I felt like I was going to die. Yeah. And, and, and the plane was tiny. It was like one of those monarch planes. Yeah, yeah. And like, for a lot of it's the reason. So was that bad turbulence or was, because I know in those small planes you can get pretty rough anyway. It was, it was, it was, it was really bad turbulence because I was like, I was like in the plane, I could feel it. Yeah. And like, and you could hear like, feel it and it was shaking and I was like crap I'm gonna die and it's such a small plane I'm gonna die my brain wasn't thinking oh let me look at the studio yeah, yeah. my brain was thinking please God, let me get there let's get down back to London uh, on time so that's that's why I say like in hindsight I'll be like yeah I'll be looking at the studio and I'll be paying attention in reality I don't think I would so, so and, and the thing is so the reason that I the example I use of this and, and I don't know if you'll remember it was probably about well, it was six years ago now because Facebook just reminded me it was six years ago today that I posted this picture. I went to Rio and I went to Rio. Do you remember that there was a, a plane that went down, an Air France plane that went down yeah. on the way back from Rio? They just lost it. They never found it. So I was going to leave to go on holiday and one of the guys, and this, I was flying a week after it, and um, one of the guys in the office went, oh, well, don't worry. He said, oh, yeah, goodbye, as if joking, like, I'm mm -hmm. flying this, this flight. He goes, well, don't worry, at least you're not flying Air France. I said, actually, I'm flying from London to France and to Paris, and I'm flying Air France to, uh, to Brazil. So I'm flying that exactly, yeah. right? So we go, there's not particularly much turbulence on the way there, but on the way back there is, there is a lot of turbulence and it is exactly in the same area where the plane has gone down two weeks ago. Now, first of all, I've got tonsillitis at this point, so I'm having a horrible flight because every time I swallow it hurts. Right? Is this when you went to Brazil holiday with C? Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. I won't say his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so this is when we're doing that. So I've come back, I've yeah. got tonsillitis, but I've gone with a friend to Madeira and he was, uh, and he's Catholic and he's got his rosary on and everything. So 
I'm there. I think at a point in time, I kind of drifted off a bit in it. And this is, I mean, one, it's pretty heavy turbulence. Two, this is at night, so they've got all the lights switched off. Three, everybody knows in their mind that a flight has gone down a week ago. Now, I'm still going kind of about my business. He, I look to him, he's got his cover up, his rosary beads in his hand, biting, praying like this. Mm. Two, two complete switched yeah. variations yeah. of it, right? Now, the reason it becomes interesting when you look at this topic, and one, how you think you would, because I think it's difficult to know how you would act until you're there, mm -hmm. but when you start to put yourself in, being honest to yourself, how would you act? The person who becomes completely, pays all, because I think I'm a bit of a mix in the middle. I would like to think that I will probably pay attention to what the people are doing around me, but then I will probably half go back to doing what I'm doing. One, slightly distraction. Two, actually my view of things in, in the grand scheme of things with planes are, if it's going down, I can't do much to change exactly. it. Um, which is a, it's not a great way to think about it, but it, it is what it is. But the difference is, I spoke to my mom about this, for instance, and she said, I've got a friend who would just go absolutely mental, she'd lose her mind and everything. Now, in the absence of all rational states and letting yourself completely lose your mind, even if the plane's gonna go down, how much are you gonna remember about what you're supposed to do? So to brace, you head down, that the air will come, the oxygen will come down. Yeah, You've so lost yourself yeah, to the emotion that. that you wouldn't be able to do it. Whereas if you were at the other end of the spectrum and had no emotion, yeah. then, and this is very, and I'll explain afterwards why you might reach this state, but you may again not make the most, you'll make a very rational um, decision but probably not the most effective decision because you've completely switched off. You've lost any emotion to the fact that you might die. Therefore, you you forget to give urgency to something. Yeah. Um, and the only reason in the book they talk about this because they talk without going into the science of something that I need to spend a lot more time studying. I do. They refer to the the control that the amygdala has in the mind over your um, emotions and how some people have had operations where they've actually had that that kind of cut. Um, and the absence of that, there was one guy who had a, an accident, had this car, and had no emotions whatsoever. And he could no longer make, he, he, he could still, he was still skilled profession-wise, IQ-wise, but he couldn't, he lost job after job. He could not, basically, he could no longer make any actual decision because he had no emotional standpoint to tie any decision to. So every option to him was the same. The same thing, thing um, I've heard, I had some, I think Joe Rogan's podcast, or, or Sam Hatt, um, your thoughts, affect the way your, your, your emotions affect the way you think and mm. you don't really think that way so when you eat food yeah, your emotions affect the way you eat and like the thing about someone that lost their, their ability to, to have emotion it totally he started eating the same yeah. thing because yeah. his emotions wasn't linked to his way he eats our emotions like people get excited about food it affects the way what we pick what we want to eat yeah, a lot of people yeah. eat stuff to make it feel good yeah, yeah. I like it I want to eat it I want to feel good I'm feeling like steak today you know why you feel like steak today because you probably have not a, a really good day and you want to have steak and make you feel good mm. uh, or if you want to have ice cream I'm talking about Kevin Hart now but if you want to have ice cream <laughs> I was like why does that sound familiar <laughs> if you want to have ice cream um, yeah if you have a hot day you want to have ice cream it makes you feel good it helps it adds to the day now if you're having a bad if you're having a, um, a day where you feel like um, you're a bit fat, a bit bloated and stuff, you might stick away, you might have the KFC today and have the brown rice and, and tuna. But is that emotion though? That is emotion because the way you feel about yourself, it affects how you, it's but emotion. If you, but if you feel bloated, then chances are you are bloated. Yeah, so then, then you would make, I don't know. But your bloatedness affects the way you feel. Yeah, like, yeah, you don't yeah, feel bloated, yeah, yeah. You, feel more, you feel happy, you feel more free, you don't feel like, oh, my belly's sticking But out. you know what, that's you. 
and probably me as well. But some people don't care about being that. Sick. That's interesting because when I'm bloated, I am break. First off, every jokes that I wear too much to tie shirts. But I'm spending half of my time holding, holding myself yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Where some people just walk around. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hold myself in. When I feel bloated, I hold myself in. Yeah, yeah. If I don't, my basics are. Yeah. I feel bloated. I feel conscious that people. It might not stick out that much. Yeah. Yours won't my, stick out that much. In my head, it sticks out more than mine. Yeah. Yeah. In my head, it sticks out more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because of that. I don't. I might not want to eat something that made me more blow, even though I might enjoy it more than the brown rice and the tuna. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Because your yeah. emotions affect your decision, what you what you do. We yeah. just we just don't really link them together. We think, oh, so you know, a lot of people make bad decisions when they're angry. Yeah. Because of their emotions stop. Um, they're, they're, I don't know if they're rational, so I think it. But you you act on anger. A lot of times you can have a fight with someone. Yeah. If you calm down, you won't have that fight because yeah. of your anger. Same when you. you you sleep on it, you wake up in the morning, yeah. you're not as angry as you was yesterday, and you make a different type of decision. So, that's me, so that's think, me all of the I time. Somebody, I think AJ Jacobs was on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he asked, that, no, it was Tim Ferriss, and he asked him, um, what are a few things that, that you think are, that people can have a takeaway? And he was like, first off, all this nonsense about don't go to bed angry. He's like, I always go to bed angry. Yeah. <laughs> if I didn't, then I would end up having some argument with my wife, and yeah. she's going to be pissed off with me all night and all morning. Whereas if I go to bed angry, I wake up in the morning with two of them. But like, it's also like me, because like, if I don't get that much sleep, I go in the mood, and I go in, it's not depression, I go in a little depression, yeah. my, my thoughts become so negative, yeah. and it becomes even more negative because I get more tired, and if someone asks me a question to do stuff, yeah, 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 or yeah. I want a lazy day, I don't want to do, do much work, so I want them to do something that's um, quite taxing, mm-hmm. I get even angrier and moodier because of like, I'm tired, what else do I do this work for? Yeah, yeah. And I've, I'm, I've become aware of this, so I, I even talk myself out of it, and I go, you're tired, you're not angry, you're not depressed, mm-hmm. your life's going really well. The only thing is, you're tired. But that's, that's important you say that, because I think it's important that people do become self-aware yeah. and, and they can talk to themselves. Like, I had an incident at work the other day where two clowns really, really pissed me off. <laughs> Sorry to swear, but they really, really pissed me off. But I knew that I would do something silly if, if I just started to act out. Yeah. And, I, and I was close to, but I said, you know what, take me out of this environment spoke to my man and I was like and I talked to him and he knows and he knows me pretty well now and he you know what yeah you can go leave early so that I can just go and calm down because I wanted to go around to the man's office and go and do something silly do you know what I mean but I picked you on whatsapp later didn't I because you said that to me I said that's good emotional maturity to have removed yourself that's it because I felt like I needed to do that rather because I know what I'm like I start getting I start winding myself up And I start thinking about all of these things that could be said, and and I start whining. And I was like, and I start getting, and I'm and I'm sweating at this point as well, you know. Yeah. Like it was a hot day, but I wasn't sweating before. As soon as I start getting angry, I start to sweat. That's what happened. Yeah. So yeah, I just took myself out, but I it's, was able to talk to myself. That's emotional intelligence. That's, that's it. it's the ability to like um, the book you gave me, um, the trip paradox. It's the ability to understand when your chimp's gonna go out of control. It's like I, I. Um, have this issue where I have my temper snaps and mm. I say stuff, yeah, and then people are like, like this morning, like, <laughs> where it's coming from. It's not coming because it's, it's because of I want to say it in yeah. a calm way, but I can't, I can't articulate it in a calm manner. So if I say it, then afterwards, like, when I calm down, yeah. it, it flows out better than of than me just sitting there and being quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's just having that ability to 
just to know yourself. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people don't know themselves as well as they think they do. And if they did, they don't, they, they, they should control themselves. Because a lot of the issues that we have, like the road rage instances, it takes a few seconds to go, it's not worth it. Exactly. I look at you for road rage. I know. And, <laughs> and that's why I said exactly, because I'm thinking of myself as well. Like, when I'm in the car with him, oh my goodness. Even my cousin this morning, I'm just like getting so frustrated. I'm like, oh, I'm just stuck behind Sunday driving this morning. I need to sort that out, man. <laughs> no, 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 you know, I'm the opposite of you. I've, I've got road rage in, in the car. Yeah. I think it's a good thing because I don't go out and there and kill the person. Yeah, and I don't yeah, chase yeah. the person off. I just, yeah, yeah. I just sit in my car yeah, and I continue yeah. driving. Yeah, yeah. And I'll go <laughs> at the same time because I'm like, you're saying you're going to fix it, but it's not hurting anybody. Yeah, that, at the end, it's not hurting anybody. And I just find it amusing when I'm there, but it's not yeah. like you took, you when I've been in the car, you don't take it out on me. Yeah, you yeah, just yeah. continue going on your thing. But when you said people don't know themselves, I think half of that is again because it's very easy to just say, just be self aware. And it is interesting when you start to think to yourself, are you one of those people? Uh, and again, this is one of those uh, practical pieces of advice for people to think about over the next week or so. Is I uh, think about the situations, think back to what you've gone through, and then make sure for the next week you're going to pay attention to whenever you're in moods and, and when you're in them. And are you one of those people who knows you're in a bad mood when you're in a bad mood? Because as, as stupid as that sounds, as some people they know they're, they're they know they're grumpy, but they don't like to really admit the fact that they're in a bad mood, so they just go about their. Mm. Moody. I mean, some people just seem to be moody all the time. I've told you about that guy in the gym. He yeah, always yeah. is an angry, angry guy. Uh, not me. <laughs> yeah, not um, me. And, and then you've got some people who will actively know that they're angry, but don't try to get themselves out of it. They're just happy to be, not happy to be angry, but just, I'm angry, I'm going to be angry until I'm angry. And then there are some people who will know that they're angry, and will one do things to remove themselves from the situation, but two will have the the and this is where I think it is a degree of you need to work to get to this state to step back and say I'm angry. One, not only do I need to remove myself from the situation, I need to get myself back out of the state because that is mm. that is yeah. one of the biggest skills I think that I have. I don't know if I, when I'm. I'll be honest. If if I'm on minimal minimal sleep and I'm talking like. What, two hours or something. Half, four hours is hour. fine. I can work on that. If I get to like super <laughs> minimal sleep, and if I'm hungry as well, yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not myself. Yeah. If I'm hungry, right? yeah. and my patient is very thin, it's very difficult. I, I know I'm actively angry, but it's difficult for me to pull myself out of that anger. Whereas in any other given moments in time, I can I can manage it. So and and the way that I've got and everybody's different in how you manage your anger. Right? Some of mine. I may be on a conference call, for example, I'm getting actively wound up at this point, but I like to think that I'm quite good at cutting through the chaos in anger and direction. Now, to do that, it may mean that I go on mute and have to just vent, and people around me are like, hold on, what's going on here? Like, so to them. But, as weird as it may seem to them, I can then literally rebalance myself. Two seconds later, unmute myself and give a levelled and rational response to something. But actually, it's actually taken me, again, to step out of the situation and, and fix that. I think that is a real skill that people need to... I think the only way to work on it is to start actively paying attention to it. So when you're in a bad mood and you know, start to stop and think, oh, or again, you might be one of those people who I need to tap you and say, are you in a bad mood? And if you are, when somebody says that, start to register. Oh, somebody told me I was in a bad mood. How come I didn't think I was in a bad mood? But it's not even a bad mood. It's also when you're happy. When you're happy, it's like, 
this is a, a zenifying like when you're in a, when you're in a happy state. Why am I? Why, what's making me happy? What's making me relax? And then once you understand that, then you can start when you are in a bad mood. You can then take what's made you happy and, and apply that to that bad mood. It's that it's it's understanding when you're in a bad mood and how to how to get out of it. See, I don't know how I I was um what was it? I can't remember which one it was, but Tony Robbins was talking about how he talks to himself for 90 he gives himself 90 seconds if he's in a good mood and he starts falling into a bad state yeah gives himself 90 seconds and he can kick straight back in and i was thinking like i do like tony robbins and everything yeah but i was thinking how true is that that they must like a little bit like what you you can't be happy all the time yeah. <laughs> like you can't you there must be points where you're upset or angry for more than 90 seconds but you can be upset and angry but i think what he's saying is that when he, when, he, when, he, when he feels himself getting into that mode of being angry, he talks himself out of it. It's not like, because sometimes, I think sometimes people like stew, stew in their own anger or stew in their own mood. Mm. They like, I'm angry, I like this feeling. Yeah, I like this feeling, yeah, yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm, I'm going to deal with yeah. it, and then after people saying it before. But then some people don't want to get into that, that point. So just before, when you're heading there, he's probably just, I was 90 I'll talk to myself. And the same thing I do in the morning when I, when I, have, when I have, have good sleep. I will go, I'll act say to myself, don't want to work moody because mm. it's not their it's not their fault that you haven't had to sleep. It's mm. your it's your own issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you have to put your headphones in to get through the day, put your headphones in, don't take it out on them. You're, yeah, yeah. You know why you're angry, mm. you know why you're in a bad mood, it's because you haven't had enough sleep. Do things to stop you from feeling tired. So I'll have coffee, I'll eat, I'll I'll go and get some sweets just to get just to make myself feel good. Mawans, yeah. Yeah, Mawans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big boy sweets. Yeah. Um, I get some Mawans or Skittles and I'll eat those and I'm actively trying to make myself feel better so I don't take it out on my colleagues. See, I think that's what the issue is. I think a lot of the time people don't don't even want to feel better. Because, yeah. again, I'm relating this back to when I have an argument with the missus and I'm, I'm getting better now. But a lot of the time she could say sorry to me for something she's done and I'm not interested and I'll carry on staying in the Yeah, I've done it, yeah. And, and it's not just with her. <laughs> no, 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 I don't mean that. I mean, I've, I've, I've experienced yeah. that for myself. Yeah, it's not even just In my with, early years, I've experienced with her, that. It's like, with other people as well. Yeah. They could generally, genuinely apologise for something they've done and I'll still feel really hurt by it and, and I won't be able to brush it off and that's something that I've, I've and I know about, do you know what I mean? So I try and work on that for myself. And I've experienced that, and when I say it, so I was saying, what I meant is, when I was, because I, obviously I've spent, and I was speaking to my boss about this the other day, I was like, I've spent a lot of time reading and educating myself in different areas, areas like this, because I believe I need to do it as part of my own development, given that I do like to have a focus on management and leadership. Therefore, these are all important soft skills for me, yeah. more so than, than anything else. I focus more on my soft skills and actually the technical expertise. I don't actually dig too deep on because I can learn those quickly. Whereas these, I have to practice and ingrain. So things yeah. like that. Because I used to get the same thing. Yeah. And I had to train myself out of getting to that feeling of, well, they've, they've just given their apology. There's nothing more they can do. Yeah. Yeah. What is the benefit of me saying angry now? But exactly. it's not as easy to say. You yeah. do these are those things. Any soft skills, one, you need to understand the logic behind it. Then you need to actively practice. So when I was talking about start paying attention to it, and you made a very good point there actually, pay attention to when you're in a good mood because you can leverage that for when you're in a bad mood. Yeah. But over the start of when you're doing it, you really have to pay attention to it. And then it will become more habitual. But even when it's habitual, there are still times when you're going to have to step back and put yourself in check. Yeah. Um, but I think some of the 90 seconds, because I do something similar, I spend a lot of time where I tend to have like 60 second talks on myself. Yeah. Um, 
probably sometimes I sometimes out loud as well what I like to tell people is they think I'm talking to myself I say I'm seeking expert advice uh, <laughs> <laughs> so some of the time as well and as I said earlier is you can get to a point where when there's no when there's a complete absence of emotion you make the wrong decision anyway when there's too much emotion you make the wrong decision because you're driven by anger you're driven by sadness so you need to exactly find your way to a balance in the middle because sometimes actually what I find is and who was I talking to there was some I had a podcast that I was listening to I can't remember whose it was but they were like someone like truly Machiavellian like somebody is going to do um a door to door sale and they will get themselves angry and wound up so they can really push like their, their sale when they're doing it which is the absolute extreme of the spectrum but for me a lot of the time is for instance some of the times when the biggest stress is going on I work the most effective mm. not because and, and in the absence of stress I probably wouldn't be as effective but it's taken on that mix in the middle and then challenging challenge it. Um, so, so again, I, I think when we've spoken about emotional intelligence before, we've spoken on different aspects of it, whereas this I think is more around your emotional intelligence and awareness piece, mm -hmm. and spending more time focusing on that awareness piece, and I think we've just gone, going through our experience, we've, we've all at kind of, not different stages, but we all have different kind of challenges that, that we get at, and we clearly all have different kind of ways that we go about it, and that's the thing. Everybody's going to be different in the way they deal with it. I don't think there's one all size, one size fits all, mm. but it all starts with that awareness piece. Once you start to get aware of it, what you use as happiness to get you out of a bad mood isn't going to be the same as John Smith down the street. Mm. But the focus that you take to be aware of it is, that's the principle that you can take away and actually use and adopt. And then on doing that, again, understand it's going to be difficult for two to three months. But it's going to be worth it if you can get to a point of when somebody says sorry, yeah, you might still have a little grumble for five minutes or so, but you can get past it and say, well, I'm fine. As opposed to sometimes it's difficult. It's just difficult. You're like, again, I've had times before when someone's apologised and it's been like two days later and I'm like, we're still not speaking. And I'm like, yeah. I know, I know I'm being stupid about this. Why can't I just let it go? And it, but it's not that easy. You actually actively have to train yourself out. So I, and, and for me, those are two things. These are, these are two skills. What we've spoken about here is the emotional intelligence and embracing the diversity of cultures, which you can, which are kind of, again, for me, I put increasingly in high importance on soft skills. And these are two of those which will help you in your relations and engagements with everybody on a day-to-day -day basis, on a personal basis, right? But will also help you in a professional capacity. I've talked about how it helps me from a management capacity, but it can help you from a sales capacity, mm. from an accountant's capacity, because you deal with people from different countries in the world, right? From being in a service-related job, from being a football or a sports coach. Mm. It can help you across all of those. I just think sometimes there is... A nice emphasis put on, yeah, soft skills, this is how you get them, but not necessarily enough emphasis put on the actions you need to take to try and dig deep. And again, sometimes people sell up, this is a one-size-fits-all, mm. whereas I think we need to accept that it's not. The underlying principles fits all, but the way that you act on it is going to be different. So I think it's just everybody go out. I think for me, like I say, the takeaway tip is spend... Takeaway tip, yeah? Takeaway tip. Takeaway so, tip. So, like, I like to come T -T, up with that. TT, takeaway <laughs> tip. <laughs> takeaway tip. I like that. So my one for that is... Takeaway tip. Take, <laughs> take, take an hour. That's a hashtag. Yeah. Take maybe half an hour to think about how you've acted over the past week or so. Yeah. When you've been in a good mood and a bad mood. How 
how you were in a good mood and what you can use when you're in a bad mood. And when you're in a bad mood, did you know? Were you aware? Did you choose to stay in a bad mood? Did someone have to remind you? And then going forwards for the next week or so, I'm pretty sure people will experience some ups and downs in the next week, um, is stay actively aware of your mood. So really put some effort into, why I'm happy at the moment, why am I happy, or I'm unhappy. Because we're always, we're at bay of our emotions, we always are something. Mm. Um, so pay attention to, when you are unhappy, start to understand, why, what is it that's making me unhappy, how can I step away and act to get out of that. So yeah, take away tip. Take away tip. Alright, um, we're going for an election, right? So um, at the moment, where we've got like um, Corbyn and May head to head, and they've had their question times. Mm. And um, I think the last one, um, May Theresa May and Jeremy Corbyn. Um, now I've seen none of these question times. By the way, it's been a bit of a hectic week. Yeah, I can understand, and I so, only saw. So I'm one, just listening to yeah. what you lot are saying. So um, she didn't go to one of them, so she skipped one of them, and it's not bad enough. Second one, she looked like she was stuttering through some of the questions, she was prepared, Corbyn was prepared. Um, I think, um, sorry, pardon me, that's not happening there. And, um, yeah, so three men were stuttering, like I do sometimes, and um, Corbyn was very succinct, succinct and had planned out, his question, planned out his answers to the questions that he was answered to. A few of them he did like stumble over, um, the trident one. But he was prepared. The trident one, he was prepared. And I think, um, well, I think one of the aspects, one of the reasons why he came across better than her is that he was more authentic in his answers. Yeah. He believed in what he was actually saying and his answers generally came from from him of yeah. why that he wanted to do what he was doing. Yeah. While Theresa May was more like a politician, she was doing it more some of the answers were to gain voters, to be more populist and I don't know if we want to discuss like I know we spoke about it before, but we spoke about the importance of being authentic. So I just wanted to touch on that because it's a, it's a topical piece that's going on, but I wanted to make sure that it's relevant again to, to what we're talking about. So there are two pieces from that. Is one, I, I found Jeremy Corbyn, who asked me eight weeks ago, I paid no attention to, to be more authentic over the last couple of weeks, at least, at least when they've been doing the campaign, right? And I think it's really benefited him. He's gone out and he's spoken to kind of grime artists. Mm. You've had people like Akala coming out and going for it. Now, they wouldn't do that unless... Because anybody can put a manifesto together, but he's spoken in a way that makes them believe, oh, there could actually be a yeah. change yeah, yeah. that's in the in the motion here, right? And that wouldn't have happened if everything that he'd said had been structured. Now, on the other side of that, I find it very difficult to trust Theresa May oh. because, well, politicians in general, yeah, yeah. but Theresa May because everything is scripted and everything is so planned. I don't believe anything that she is saying has any authenticity about yeah, it. Yeah. And you can plan a speech, but you can still speak with authenticity, yeah. right? So. The, the thing that I would take away if I'm thinking about that in my own life is, imagine that I'm going to talk to you or I'm going to make a sales pitch to you, right? And everything that I say is so scripted and so inauthentic. Why would you ever believe in me? Mm. Like, that, and that is a, is a big takeaway piece that, again, you can use it in anything that you're doing. You can use it in sales. You can use it in your day-to-day work. And if I sell a message or a strategy to my team at work mm -hmm. and it's all completely scripted and none of it is mine, then why would I expect them to follow, right? And then also a, 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 another component of that is she floundered a lot because she lacked honesty, right? So, so because she uh, lacked, lacked honesty, honesty yeah. 
you, you flounder around, and one of the podcasts I was talking about is that we're dealing with how you get through today's society, today's world, where things are up and changing everywhere. And he was like, ultimately, it all falls back to honesty, mm. right? In, in all the things that you do, you can't be... I think he took his way, he'd been brutally honest. So like, he's, I think there was one time he did it for a whole year, and he had to say exactly what was on his mind. And he went to meet his friends, uh, his wife's friends, and what was on his mind was, I don't really like you guys, so I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna see you again. And wow. he said, <laughs> "This guy's a bit. Uh, yeah, I'll t- check out the podcast. I'll tell you about <laughs> it because he lived his life through. Um, he was basically living his life via the Bible um, for a year. So it's quite. It's an it's an entertaining podcast. Does the Bible tell you to do that? <laughs> well, I think this was one of his other experiments. Oh, he okay, didn't live uh, that. He like stoned people who were adulterers and the rest. Wow." Of um, but yeah, I, yeah it, was, it was weird it's a funny podcast but ultimately it, it stands true right any lie can only last so long a lie may last for 10 years a lie may last for 10 minutes a lie, a lie may last for 15 years but ultimately when you get caught out then it will have its impact on you going forwards whether I can trust you whether anybody <coughs> believes you whereas if you always fall down to honesty yeah something may go wrong but if you take the honest approach to it it's always the best view to take for me and this is why I went again you're asking her questions and she's floundering. If you give an honest answer, I know you have to be measured when you're a politician, but if you give me an honest answer, <coughs> at least I've got more value in that than if you give me a completely inauthentic and a lie, which is basically what, what I feel that... This, this, is why, this is why a very good example in the media right now is what, how she's been caught out and all of a sudden what should have been a, an open and closed thing for the Tories is going a bit to pot because of her approach. I think whether you agree with what someone is saying, if they're telling the truth and they're being authentic, you will respect It's the respect, yeah. right? And, and I feel <clears throat> from, and I'll say an outsider looking in more because I've not been as involved in politics as you two and I'm still getting involved now since really Brexit and this, this yeah. election now. And to me, from the perception I had of Corbyn before for what I'm seeing now, I'm respecting him a lot more because what he's saying and doing seems authentic and he seems like he's telling the truth a lot more and I'm having a lot more respect to it. Why is mine? No, because uh, I, I agree with you. Oh, no, I, I agree with you. <laughs> I thought I, there was a buck coming. No, the, the buck, but the buck's not relevant to Yeah, oh, okay. So. But, and then I just was thinking back to some stuff that's happened at work now and I'm, I've now lost respect for some people because they're not authentic. They, they tell they lies line, and, right? they get yeah. caught, and they get yeah. caught out. And then when, when you press them, as what happened when I pressed this person on the phone, it's a, uh, and it's a whole stumbling. Rather than just coming out and just being honest and real, I would have respected. I may not have agreed with what he'd have done, but I would have respected him more yeah. rather than uh, and then lying about yeah. it. And that's, and again, it's hard to trust politicians, but I would trust somebody who's being a lot more authentic and real about what he's saying. And like I say, it's just, it's just a good example that's in the limelight right now to see so blatantly out there. And, it just, and what you've said about it seems to be a consensus because I'm, I'm shocked, one, at the display that he's put on, but two, at the people that you're seeing support him and the level of support I'm seeing him get across the likes of social media and the rest yeah. of it. Um, how that manifests itself in the results, who knows, but... Not going to help. You don't think really. No. It's not the same. help. So I think there's just so I think we can take away tip. I don't have a takeaway tip from this. <laughs> no. Be authentic. Takeaway tip. Be real. Be Oh yeah, yeah. So it's I was also gonna take away take away action. <laughs> the other ones were actions. Oh yeah, they were actions, yeah. I need yeah, to yeah, think yeah. about the hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> and a topic we want to introduce new to life is um Book of the Week. Book of the Week. Book of the Week. Book of the week. So, 
Chloe is, what's it this week? So it's going to be one that's actually been read, right? Yeah, so, so not skimmed through. I read, I read a lot of books and we figured, and there's a lot that I learned from them. So book of the week for this week is Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Um, so this is one that you're reading, what, a year and a half after? Not a year and a half, about a, yeah, a year, coming up to a year after he introduced it to me and I sort of put it to the back. And yeah, but anyway, you thought. And I read it uh, a couple of years ago now. Now, what I really like about this book is it, it breaks it down to why it's essential for you. And we've spoke about it before to understand your, your why. And when we spoke about it on topics like this, I have taken it from this book. And you see him, and if you can, don't just read the book. Check out Simon Sinek on YouTube. Um, we'll put the link underneath. <laughs> Make sure you get that one. Um, we'll put the link underneath. I'll put a link to a couple of his YouTube videos as well. I think he's a great listener. He does a great TED talk on why great leaders lead and the rest of it. 28th of December 2016. 28th of said so He told me to read it and I've taken a while reading it now. So um, yes, definitely check this out. Start with why, how that great leaders inspire action. I think it... Don't take it as just being a leadership book. I think you can use it in any walk of life that you're in. It's one of those that gives you those those good soft skills that you can apply. It's, you uh, can apply it to relationships. It's relatively, it's, and you can, and you can apply it across the board. It's not just leadership. No, it's, uh, it's to me, it's what how many? It's two hundred twenty-three pages, so it's a relatively short read. Summer's coming up. Like get yourself the book, go out up to the local park, chill for the day. Like probably take you finish it in a week or you've got an audible right audible, which yeah. means you could finish it in a seven hours it's seven hours on audio book so definitely check it out and we'll be giving you a book of the week that comes up each of the weeks now like i say we'll post a link for below and to be clear there's no affiliation here we're not getting paid for, no. for advertising this no. up so every book that we pop up to you is going to be because we've found value in it in our in our own lives all right, that's all right so that's episode 32 wrapped up um I don't know, I forget the, the saying. So, I so, so we had we had a bit of a heart to heart before this this as well. Just on the topics we were, that we were going to go through today and some of the direction changes we had. Over. I think I felt like this week we've gone back to a call. We've yeah. come up with a few hashtags and takeaway tips. So I think it's, um, I think it's been a yeah a good show. I will take the spin off line because you will learn it one day. <laughs> one of these days I'm going to bring you on as well. You do it. <laughs> Maybe I've just said it so many times, it's autonomous to me, but guys, wherever you are, I hope you have a, a great week ahead. I'm going to mimic you when you say it. And as always, life is only as good as your mindset and your results are only as good as your hustle. So we'll catch you next week. We do actually know it. Yeah. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>